There. I did it. This time I got it right. And we're recording and we're rolling. I am, uh, I don't know why this is so difficult for me to hit the right button. It's not intuitive at all. I don't know. Is there a, uh, is there a music for dummies or a, uh, um, do they just still do the music that for the, the four dummies books they used to do in the past? Or is that all do gone now? Music version? Uh, dummies yeah, books are still out there. I didn't, I didn't know there was a music for dummies book. I, it wouldn't surprise me because God knows we all need to have a dummy book of some sorts for whatever it is we don't know how to do. But I am absolutely flummoxed, uh, to hit the right button to start music. And I don't know why, because I want to hear that good Mark Aylewine music. And I pronounced it correctly that time. Did I, did I not Mark Aylewine music? You did. It is spelled like the drinks ale and wine, but it's Ayla wine, Ayla wine, Mark Ayla wine. Well, and you can we, find his music on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your music, you can find music by Mark Edelwine. Well, and uh, he sings, and this is all original productions, right? This isn't, uh, you know, uh, generated music from, from something else. This is all his original work, right? This is his original work. He's a songwriter. Um, so what he's hoping people do or actually uh, productions do is go out, find his music, and they buy it. So his music, music is available for purchase. Um, he is the former worship pastor at Friendship Church. Not a worship director, a pastor. He could wed you if you wanted to. Um, well, he, not me. Not you. No, I'm already married. Idea. Yeah, yeah that'd be illegal. Don't, don't do that again. Um, Thank you. But uh, yeah, he was a worship pastor at Friendship Church, and now he's on this other journey to uh, to get his song out there, get it out to the masses. Well, I know I, for one, appreciate it. Uh, I like the the uh, air of professionalism it brings to this very unprofessional and underproduced bit of work that we're doing. But thanks again to Mark Aylewine for that, for official theme music, official bumper music. Uh, and I know I enjoy it, and I'm going to look it up, and I bet you've already looked it up, right? I sure have. I've got a Mark Aylewine playlist. Ooh. Well, so, you know, I want to start this off today a little different. So, you notice I didn't say the name of the podcast this week. Did you notice that? I did notice that. Yeah. Well, and it's not like, you know, with the few we've done that I should have to have such a rote routine anyway, but I didn't. And you know why? Because I realized we, we had set up this premise that we were going to talk about things that are kind of a, not necessarily annoying, but things that have minor frustrations in them because we didn't want to take on super big topics that were going to get us divorced and or fired, but we wanted to take on things that were frustrating, uh, irritating, you know, grating, whatever. And then, you know, our premise was we, we not necessarily solve those things, but we try to find a way to make them just a little bit better, you know, find ways that everybody could just do one little thing or do one little thing differently that would make them better. And I think you and I came to the realization last night after we've done a few of these that making it better isn't necessarily what we're doing. We're not necessarily changing the event. We're not necessarily changing the thing, but we're changing perspective. And we're almost, we're almost saying let, making peace with it, right? We're finding a way to make peace with that, which is, you know, frustrating or irritating or grating. And in some cases that means doing things differently, but in other cases, it just means maybe looking at them differently or reacting to them differently. That, that was my take of our conversation last night, right? I absolutely agree. I think looking at it through a different lens. So I have this lens of frustration that says there's a thing, it frustrates me. Um, that's the lens I'm looking through. But if I look at it through a 
different lens, a little different focus, I might see it from a different angle, thus giving me peace or an understanding of what that item is. Yeah, because a lot of it is just how do you remove stress from life, right? The more the more you get worked up about these things, uh, I mean, I think you need an avenue. You need a way to deal with things that frustrate you. You need a way to deal with things that that bug you. And and it doesn't mean that they're not going to bug you, but you need a way to be able to set them aside. And sometimes that means just walking away from them altogether. Sometimes that means changing the construct of how you interact with those things, you know, control what you can control. But in a lot of cases, it's just sort of, you know what, deal with it, you know, or, or, you know, we've, we've talked about boats, we've talked about uh, our frustration with podcast software, you know, all of those things have minor frustration that, you know, frankly, we can alleviate just by not being as frustrated or by changing our approach to them. So to me, it made sense to say, you know what, it still make it better, but really in the sense that just to kind of ground ourselves a little bit here, it's, it's making peace with it. And I, I was right before we started recording here, the thought that came to my mind, you know, as we're working our way through this, it's kind of like how, you know, a liquid or, or water will, will automatically fill its space, right? It'll sort of, when you pour it out, it just sort of fills the natural space that it's in. Well, that's kind of what we're doing here with with our words, I guess, is we're filling the space available to us. And as as uh, as we uh, kind of mature this out a little bit, it's going to become what it is. But uh, it's interesting how it's sort of naturally filled this space to be less about fixing things and more of just about fixing the way we look at them. That's fantastic. Well, it was kind of deep, wasn't it? Probably a little nope. bit too deep for this kind of a still, huh? Maybe I shouldn't go that deep. As soon as I get through this, uh, about halfway through this furious, that'll be spot on and not too deep at all. <laughs> well, I'm going with a little uh, whiskey this evening. That's that's my uh, that's the way I'm ending my evening after what was a very long day, and uh, what is now the beginning of a very short podcast. And it's going to get uh, it's not going to be short if we don't get going on our topic this week because our topic this week, I have a feeling, is going to be one that uh, both you and I have some uh, some exuberance to talk about what's wrong with it and maybe how to fix it because this week's topic is weddings and i i think i want to be very careful here in how we pinpoint our topic because i think that's one of the things that we've learned is we need to be very clear on what we're talking about versus just sort of saying something and then kind of needling around that topic but not hitting it right on the uh, right on the head or right between the eyes i'm not talking about marriage I'm talking about the actual act of the wedding, the ceremony, and all of that that goes within it. Um, the, the process, if you will. Exactly. And so I'll, I'm going to kick this off because uh, there's a number of things that frustrate me about a wedding. And I think first and foremost, the thing that frustrates me about a wedding is the actual reason you're there, whether it's in a church or in a park or at a justice of the peace, the actual reason that you're there, which is to wed two people together, right, for forever and holy matrimony, is probably the smallest aspect of the rest of what a wedding has become. Uh, from the planning and the pomp and circumstance and the, the uh, organization and all of the orchestration that goes with it, uh, that, that very simple thing that takes about 15 minutes is almost forgotten in all the noise of the day. I and mean, if, if I had to boil all my frustration with wedding down, that would be my first one, is it seems to me like the whole core purpose of it 
has been lost in all of the rest uh, of the, I don't know, all the rest of the accoutrement that goes with it. Yeah, um, I agree. And you talked about the the 15 minute ceremony and you, what you don't think about when you're not actively involved is a number of things that go into that. For instance, um, my daughter got married and uh, you know, when the daughter gets married, apparently it's up to old dad to get out the checkbook. Um, but the number of people that I had to tip, uh, there was a, a pianist. I had to tip the pianist. Hey, what, tip, hold on, hold, you had to do what? Uh, <laughs> tip the pianist. Ah, really good to enunciate that one. Pianist. Yeah, really good yeah. to enunciate that one. All right, go ahead. Had to tip the pastor, had to tip the uh, singers. There were two of them. Um, and there was someone else I had to tip. I don't remember who it was, but I remember shelling out four different checks just for these people. Um, now, so you've, you've got the tips that dad has to do, but somebody, I'm assuming the bride and groom, uh, before the wedding ceremony had to meet with these people, interview them or, or get an idea of what, what they were capable of. Could, could the pianist actually play the piano? could the singer actually sing? The pastor, they probably knew from their childhood, so we'll give him a break. Um, readers, who's gonna, who's gonna read scripture during the wedding? So um, there's, there's probably four or five hours of just meetings wrapped up with these people before you even get to the ceremony. So the, the meeting of the people takes longer than the actual ceremony. You know, I've read for a wedding. Have you had to read for a wedding? I have not. It's kind of, it was kind of weird. Um, I've done it a couple of times and, you know, it's strange. It's, I, 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 first of all, I'm always very flattered when I'm asked to do that. And I appreciate it on, on two levels, frankly, number one, I'm flattered that they thought of me enough that they'd have me stand up at their wedding and, you know, read from the Bible or read a passage from a poem or whatever it is they're having me read. Uh, but then at the other side of that, I'm also even more flattered and impressed that they think I actually can read. Right. That they actually said, you know, of all of our rallies, uh, you know, let's have you go up there and read because we think you're actually going to get all the way through uh, to the end of it without stuttering, losing your place or mispronouncing the word. Right. Uh, but, you know, the last time that I did it, it was a little uncomfortable because it was like 12 year old, 12 year old. And then it was my turn to read. Right. So I always felt like, well, wait a minute. Am I at the kids table here? Is this the job they gave all the kids? <laughs> and then it's like, oh, well, let's let old Uncle Chris go up there and, and read John 3.16. He can, he can manage to get through that. He's, he's seen enough football games. He probably recognizes that one. So I, yeah, I, I have done the reading. I have also done, and so this, this made me think of this when you said all the tipping. We've had three funerals in the last three years, which obviously that's not a wedding, but you know, same kind of thing. You've got an organist, you've got a pastor, you've got the, 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 the ladies who you know, serve the meal, all of that comes with tips too, by the way. So just like a wedding, it's the thing you don't know is same deal. You know, one of the, uh, one of the people in the family has to walk around with a whole bunch of envelopes in their pocket, even during the funeral and kind of divvy those out when nobody's looking uh, for the tips that have to go on when, when that's happening. And, you know, it, it really does sort of detract from this pageantry that you have, that there's such a transactional nature to it. And I think that's what turns people off a lot to weddings is between the planning and the actual event, the whole thing just seems like such a commercial and transactional affair, right? I mean, it, it, the thing really does seem to revolve, as you said, around money and the visibility of how much money you have and are willing to spend. 
Absolutely. Let me tell you what my children did to me. God, God bless their hearts. Um, <laughs> my, my, my son had a wedding date last year, May of, of 2019. Um, and, and and that was, you know, he, he set his first. And, and my daughter was supposed to be August of 2021. But then she came to the realization that she shouldn't have to wait just because my son was getting married in 2020. Mm-hmm. She, she should be able to have her wedding when she wants. So mm-hmm. they moved it up a year. I had two weddings last year. Do you have any idea how many envelopes I had to walk around with tipping people? Well, and it, here's the thing. I happen to agree with your daughter. You shouldn't have to wait. But the only reason that she would wait is because of this huge expense and huge, you know, orchestration that you have to go through to have what in fact is something you could do in really 10 minutes. And in fact is a 10 minute activity, which is actually getting married, doing the vows, exchanging the rings, having the blessing, whatever it is in your ceremony, that's a 10 or a 15 minute thing. Now, granted, I think there are certain religions where the weddings are much longer than that and involve a whole lot of pomp and circumstance. And I understand that. But for the most part, you know, here in the domestic U.S., we're talking about a five or a 10 minute uh, ceremony portion that is the actual wedding piece. And you know what? She should be able to do that. And you should certainly be able to absorb two of those in one year. But we're not allowed to because these things have blown up into a into a hallmark event that is, well, you know, Frankly, it's it's stressful. It's it's keeping up with the Joneses times ten. Oh, absolutely! And the, the things that that go on at weddings now. It used to be, let's recite our vows, let's get a DJ, eat some cake, drink some beer, everybody's happy. But now you have to hire a DJ. It can't be you know your sister spinning records in the corner. Um, you, you need an actual hall where there's a dance floor and tables and, and, uh, table claws, and you can't just have a chair. The chair has to be wrapped in some sort of fancy cloth with a bow on the bottom. And you need little candies in the center pieces of the table and balloons from each one. Ah, it's a lot. See, I have a way I think of solving some of that and striking a balance, which I'm going to bring you in our, in our second segment. When we talk about ways to make these things a little bit better, even make peace with them. But I do think that part of the problem is you, you have what you have to spend. So if you're, a, if you're a millionaire or not, you're probably setting a budget. And probably more likely if you're a millionaire, you're setting a budget than if you're not because somebody who's got a million dollars probably knows how to manage money, right? So if, 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 if you're setting that budget, you're probably leveling those expenses across the whole day, right? And the whole weekend. So remember, we're talking about there's probably, you know, uh, uh, there's been showers up until this point. There's been um, uh, wedding uh, rehearsals and groom's dinners. And then there's been pre-wedding festivities. And then there's been preparatory festivities and the lunch for the wedding party for while everybody's getting ready and all the photographers. So you've spent 48 hours probably leveling that budget, right? So at some point, you know, you're not necessarily making compromises, but you're drawing a waterline across the quality of all of those activities. That means, you know, you do have a DJ, you don't have a band. And maybe, you know, maybe you've sprung for the DJ, but that doesn't mean you've got the world's greatest DJ either, right? You got the one you could afford because it had to mix in with all the other things that were going on throughout the day. And hey, you know what? One, one thing struck me also is, what do you think about the whole steal the bride 
function of the wedding where we get done with the wedding, we're going back to the reception and then somebody goes and takes the bridal party and hits about 17 bars uh, while you sit around checking your watch for an hour and a half. What, what's your opinion on the whole steal the wedding party uh, activity? You know, it, it's, it's fun in that it's, it's good spirited, you know, let's, let's have some fun, but here's the thing you've got, I don't know how many guests sitting in a hall, twiddling their thumbs, looking at their phones, waiting for people to show up so they can eat the meal that, that the parents probably paid for. Um, I think on a certain level, there's, there's some disrespect that goes along with it. You're, you've got 50 to 200 people, depending upon your wedding size, just waiting on you while you're out doing shots and you know hooting and hollering and whatever bar that happened to be between the chapel and the, the banquet hall so for me no stop it just stop it the, the next irritating part of the whole steal the wedding party thing for me and there's been the last two or three weddings i've been at that have done this uh is the, you know, because you, if you kind of, you can probably draw yourself back to the viral video with them dancing down the aisle. Do you remember that from several years ago? Uh, we know they were, they were doing the hip hop dance coming down the aisle. Now what they do is when they finally do arrive after they've been gone for two hours uh, and we've all been sitting around on awful folding chairs waiting for them to show up is now it's, it's, it's like we are introducing professional wrestlers on WWE with the, the PA announcer who's screaming about screaming and introducing oh, every yes. member of the wedding party. And then they're sashing and they're dancing down the aisle and everybody's supposed to be up and yelling and screaming how excited they are that they're there. And I'll be honest, I, I'm now frustrated and angry and tired at this point thinking, <laughs> I want to eat. I've been sitting here forever. Let's go. I really don't, don't need yet another spotlight on you as you come in the door. Uh, very irritating uh, for me, for sure. Uh, you know, one other aspect of weddings I wanted to, I wanted to talk about is this whole bridal registry piece. Uh, now, did your did your daughter and then your your son's wife um, drive a a gift registry, or did they do something differently? Uh, both of them had registries. Um, I was rather thankful for them. Um, and, and the reason being is I don't know what these people have. Both of them, against my, my wishes, um, shacked up before getting married. So they already had stuff. So when it came to giving a gift, I didn't know what they needed, what they, what they already had. So it was nice just to be able to see a list and say, okay, this falls within the budget. This is what I was going to pay for a gift for their wedding. So I will get them this thing that they've already stated on this list that they don't have. What do you think about... Uh, gift registries for people who get married, let's say in their late forties. What are your thoughts on that? Especially whether they've been married before or not, you know, if you're 45, you're getting married to someone who's also 47, 51, whatever. Uh, what's your thoughts on the bridal registry in that scenario versus somebody like your kids who are in their early twenties? I don't put an age limit on it. I put it on it. Is I put on it. Is it a first or second wedding? If it's a first wedding, go ahead and register. If it's a second wedding, you know what? I'm I'm giving you maybe a, a bottle of whiskey for your wedding. Here you go. Have fun. It's your second one. Yeah. But the first one, I don't care how old you are. Go ahead and register. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, uh, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit too later on. But I think probably, and this may surprise some people. I think the the best part of the wedding is the wedding registry for the younger couple. 
Um, it, it was really an opportunity for friends and for family to actually get people a running start into marriage and in, into their life together, right? And and if if a good set of pots and pans and a, and a hammer and a saw for the garage is what's going to get you, uh, you know, a, a smooth start, then that I think that's something that people would want to do and be engaged in. I think that's actually one of the pra practical positive parts of a wedding is the fact that we can do that. But but I agree. If you're on your second wedding, you've already done this once, uh, or you're you're certainly seasoned in life. And uh, you've been living on your own. I, I think I would, I would make that further distinction. I mean, if you've been living on your own for this long, you probably don't need a cookie sheet from me. What you probably need is, you know, uh, good friends who know what, not just to bring a bottle of whiskey, but what kind of whiskey or what brand of cigar you like, um, or what book you might like to have to read on the honeymoon on the beach. I think that's an even better gift. And interestingly enough, I think people who are getting married in the later years probably um, it seems better to have a wedding that has about 25 people there versus a wedding that has 325 people there. Um, but that's just me. I don't know. It seems that just seems to, there seems to be a reason to have it be a, a smaller, more intimate and more pointed affair. Right. I agree. If it's the second one, get the, the close immediate friends, their immediate family. You don't have to send it to, you know, your third cousin twice removed. Um, just get the people you know and love there. Cause that's, that's really what it's about. It's a celebration of the life you're living and the life of those around you. So now I want to go back um, to the, to the, uh, to the gifts in a second and the expense piece, but you know, one thing I wanted to re-reference back was just, you know, who you have at your wedding and how your wedding is structured. Several years ago, we went to a wedding and I'm, I'm going to really do my best to not identify <laughs> which wedding it was. But I remember these were people that were, that were country, right? They were country. They enjoyed being in the country. You could tell they, they enjoyed horses. They enjoyed doing things that were, that were country-like. But when it came time to have their wedding, it was limousines, it was tuxedos, uh, there was a five, uh, what do you call it, a quintet, uh, a string quintet, you know, with a cello and violin and the whole bit. Um, it was white tablecloths, and it just looked and felt completely out of place, right? It felt like somebody who saw what a wedding was supposed to look like and bought that, right? Like, just like buying clothes off of a mannequin. And that, that was so sad for me, frankly, because it felt to me like it, you know, forget the waste of money piece. It just felt like it was a waste of an opportunity to have a celebration. And, and, and the money piece is where I wanted to go with the gifts, because to me, I have always been frustrated at the expense of a wedding. And then the, and then the, the, and then the fact that that, all of that expense and all of those gifts that were bought that maybe weren't practical, if, if that was all, <laughs> if that was all cash, Right. If these are really the, the stereotypical 19 or 20 year olds or 21 year olds that are just out of college or maybe didn't go to college and just starting their life together. The number one thing they need is a down payment. The number one thing they need is a car to get to work with. Right. Uh, and if you spend thirty thousand dollars on a wedding, maybe they would have rather had a Honda Civic. Yeah. With that thirty thousand dollars. Right. Have you ever given that any thought? I've given that a lot of thought. In fact, um, my daughter and son-in-law, I told them the wedding lasts a couple hours. It's a couple hours of your life. You're spending all this money on that. Instead of doing that, instead of feeding all these people that you may never see again, 
just take the cash and do something with it. Put a down payment on a house. You know, go on an elaborate vacation that you'll remember, but don't put all the money into this pomp and circumstance when you don't have to. Uh, did they listen? No, they wanted the pomp and circumstance, which is fine. It's their wedding. Great. Go ahead and have it. Um, conversely, I look at my, my son's wedding and you mentioned, uh, you know, country wedding at my son's wedding. Uh, the, the male side of the wedding party, they had ties and a dress shirt on, but then they had blue jeans on because that spoke to who my son and his wife are. They're not pomp and cir circumstance type people. They are, they're, you know, they know who they are. We're, we're casual. That's what we like. We like to be casual. Their wedding was, was beautiful. It was in a, uh, old farmhouse that had reclaimed wood in it. Um, it was a fantastic venue. Um, and it, it said, this is them. This is their personality. This is where they belong. This is how they like to live. And it was amazing. That's not taking anything away from my daughter's wedding because it was also amazing, but it had the tuxes and the formal dresses um, and it didn't necessarily speak to their personality. Beautiful wedding, but not their personality. And I'm sorry, going back to the original point, I went way off topic there, but to the original point, yes, take the money and run. Have a small wedding, small ceremony, take the cash and start living life with that cash instead of living life with stuff. So, you know, what I took from all of that was the, uh, you referenced reclaimed wood, uh, as a, uh, as a woodworker, you know what we call reclaimed wood? I do not. We call it wood. <laughs> all right. That's the end of the first segment. We're going to be coming back here for the second segment and talking about ways to, to maybe make weddings a little more tolerable, maybe even better, but you know what? I'll, I'll just go ahead and settle for tolerable or making peace with it. You know, we'll see where we end up. We'll let that water fill its space and we'll see where we end up. We'll see you in a few minutes. I'm a pretty tough guy, but you had to save me from a terrible direction that only led to destruction. All right, segment number two. And uh, once again, coming back with the Mark Alewine. Alewine? Alewine. 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 It's German, but you pronounce it like it's French. Le wine. A le wine. So it's freedom wine. Because it's French, right? So we're supposed to do that. So we're not French fries or freedom fries. So it's freedom wine. Freedom oh, with that. Freedom wine. wine. A le wine. What do, you call those, what do you call those things on the end of airplane wings that, that help an airplane stay stable? Aren't those called a a ailerons? Ailerons. Yeah. Ailerons. That's right. Ailerons. So this is different, though. Um, this is uh, ailerons. Ala wine. Ala wine. Probably. He already does. He hates me anyway, but now he's going to hate you too. So, um, well, then he uh, knows me. To know yeah. me is to hate me. So, there yeah. you go. That guy doesn't know how to hate people. He's a wonderful man. Uh, the bumper uh, that we went out with, uh, by the way, was the song Lost Man. Fabulous, fabulous song written and produced by Mark Alawine. Um, I highly recommend that one for your playlist. Yeah, I, I liked that one, and uh, there was no accident. I played that one. Uh, I liked that one, so I was all over that one. And yeah, and Mark, we're we teased. Nobody mispronounces. Uh, no one. There's no name mis more mispronounced than mine, and it's. It, and I'm not going to say it because that's that's not what we're doing. But uh, <laughs> mine, mine is spelled exactly how it sounds, and nobody can spell it right. In fact, I had a meeting this week with uh, somebody, and uh, that person had the same last name as me, 
and the third party on the call introduced us and uh, she introduced that person and uh, said his name and his last name and pronounced it perfectly. And then my coworker pronounced my name completely wrong. And I don't understand it because, you know, we both had the same name, same spelling, same pronunciation. <laughs> she got one right and she looked at me and completely vapor locked up. So I don't get it. I don't understand that at all. I've never gotten your name wrong ever. No, no, nor I, but yours is a lot easier than mine. But, you know, that's that's neither here nor there. Hey, you know what? I have a funny uh, uh, wedding observation. I was at a wedding at in Stearns County uh, here in Minnesota. And Stearns County in Minnesota is uh, a unique place. Uh, yeah, but it's a good place. Um, but uh, do you know there's a tradition there where if the uh, if the oldest sibling, and I believe, I think it might only be a female, uh, I'm not 100% sure of that. The only evidence I have is that it's a female. But if the oldest sibling in the family is still single, when the uh, last younger sibling gets married, okay, so you following this so far? I know it's kind of a math problem, but if so, if you're, if the oldest sibling is traveling in a train at 50 miles an hour northbound and the youngest sibling is getting married, um, I guess, and traveling southbound down the aisle or something, no, so if, you're, if the oldest sibling is not yet married, by the time the, the, the last younger sibling gets married, does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. Oldest I'm sibling shocked. single, youngest sibling married. Correct. Then the tradition is in the, at the wedding dance, the, the, the wedding floor is cleared, and they have what's called the bucket dance. And the sibling then, the older sibling, is forced to dance by themselves in the center of the dance floor in a bucket. Are, are they all the way in the bucket or is it one leg in the bucket? Well, here's what's funny. And they would normally be all the way in the bucket. However, in this case, uh, it was a, a dual affair because the bride's uh, brother, uh, daughter, or so, good Lord, the bride's <laughs> sister and the groom's sister, uh, both were the eldest of the family of siblings and both had not been married. So both of them had to dance together and they each had one foot in the bucket. Wow. That is bizarre. Now, I mean, you, I've seen the reindeer dance at a, at a wedding party before, you know, where everybody goes out and holds the, you know, the folding chair over their head and tries not to kill each other or burn the place down and a few other things. But that was a first for me. I'd never seen a bucket dance before. I've seen the bucket dance. Um, and it, when I saw it, I, I'm pretty, this was years ago. I'm pretty sure it was one person, one leg in the bucket. Well, maybe that is the thing. So maybe it's always just one leg in the bucket. I have to admit, I really didn't know. I was flabbergasted. So this is a thing. Is it more than just in uh, that one county? Is it? Uh, is this something that happens elsewhere? Well, I think this was probably Wright County, so not too far from Stern. So maybe it's a western <sighs> western county thing. Well, it was it was it was very interesting to me. I thought, hey, I have an idea to make weddings a little better. You want to hear my idea? I, I would love to hear your idea. So my idea is, I think. First and foremost, we didn't talk about engagements at all that, you know, that take a year or longer um, to get married. You remember on the, if you watch The Office on TV, remember Pam, they had been engaged so long, she and Daryl, that uh, their, their uh, shower gifts were starting to break like the toasters and the blender and yet they were out of warranty. So she hadn't even gotten married yet and she couldn't get these things repaired because her gifts for her wedding were actually breaking already and already out of warranty because they'd been engaged so long. Wedding well, engagements we should, we should take- clarify, We should clarify that Pam was not engaged to Daryl. She was engaged no. to Roy. Roy, you're right. Daryl Daryl was not yet, you're right, you're right. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. All right. Well, yeah, you, we have to be fact-based and accurate here. I appreciate it. When you're talking about the office, you can't get it wrong. Yeah. Well, pardon me. Sorry about that. But the, 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 the point being, of course, these engagements just are way, way, way too long. So now if you go back to my, my initial point of, you know, the actual wedding piece is 10 or 15 minutes long in reality. That's the purpose of the whole thing. And yet it is, it is shoehorned into, you know, an almost, and frankly, almost a forgettable moment, right? Because people remember the reception, they remember the dress, they remember coming down the aisle, they remember the singing, the songs, they remember the kiss at the end. But, you know, that whole rites of ceremony piece, I wouldn't call it forgettable, that's not fair, but it, it really is the part that is not really planned all that much. You know, probably the first time that most people in the wedding party hear about it is at the, at the rehearsal the night before, and it really doesn't get a whole lot of attention, right? My point is, you know what, when you get engaged, go get that wedding part done right away. Just go, go get it done. Have your family there, have your nuclear family, your mom, your dad, if they're still around, his mom, her, his dad, or her mom, his dad, <clears throat> if they're still around, <clears throat> excuse me, go get married. Just go get married. Go get it all done. And uh, maybe you get married you know, like a, a month or so after you, you get engaged and you have your private ceremony. You're, you're now done. You're married. And now you can do things like move in together and not have to, as you said, live in sin, but actually pool together your finances. You can have all that together, not wait a year and a half. And then what you spend that year doing is planning for the thing people do want to come to, which is the reception. You know, you have your nice big reception party at that point and focus any expense that you're willing to spend family or otherwise on that reception and party. That's my, that's my thinking for how weddings could be made a little bit better and certainly more tolerable and also more focused on the actual event. The unfortunate side of that is a lot of people use the engagement as a, a pacifier. So I'm short a gift for Christmas. I'm gonna I'm gonna give my girlfriend an engagement ring, but we're not gonna set a date. And the reason that I'm not going to set a date is because it still gives me an out. Yeah, but now we're what we're not talking about wedding problems there. We're talking about jerk problems at that point, are we? Right? I mean, this is, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah, is sure. this is a this is a this is a girl who needs to find a new boyfriend if that's your problem, right? Yeah. Yeah. So here's a guy who wants to say, "Hey, you're great right now, but in case something better comes along." We're just doing the engagement thing. I need my out so I can find that that better thing. Um, or if it jumps in front of me, then I'll be, I'll be ready for it. Whereas if I was married, I couldn't be ready for that better thing. And um, I, I can't take credit for that. I stole that from Jordan Peterson. So <laughs> nice to look at the podcast, um, Jordan Peterson, he talks about uh, um, being shackled together, being married, tying the knot. And one of the points that he makes is people who live together before marriage is they do it so they still have an out. And I think that's why people have long engagements, so they still have the out. But see, now you're, you, but see, this is part of my argument. Um, uh, if you recall, uh, you and I used to be neighbors a long time ago, and there was a person who lived up the street from us, a guy, and he had a woman living with him. And uh, one day I asked him, what's your wife's name? Uh, now, this was after he had told me that they had just, you know, kind of gone in together to buy this house in this new neighborhood. And I said, what's your wife's name? And he said, whoa, 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 there, slow down. We aren't married. I'm not ready for that commitment. And I thought, you just went in on a mortgage with this person, <laughs> and you're not ready for that commitment. So here's my point. If you're ready to get engaged, so if you get engaged, you're saying, I want to get married. Not, I'm thinking about it. Not, I want an out. Not, 
you know, here, here is, here is my list of demands. You're saying I want to get married. And if she says, yes, she says, she says, I do too. So short of doing the actual vow, you've made that commitment to move forward at that point. So my argument is, I think a lot of people do get concerned that people who live together. And I, by the way, have a number of examples of people who've been living together three years, four years, five years, one wants to get married and the other one is dragging their feet because they want that out. That's not healthy. And so from my perspective, it's okay. Date, date as long as you want, you know, even I guess if you do live together, fine under, under the pretenses, I suppose. But if, if you have a challenge to that, if you don't want to actually live together without getting married or the promise of getting married, why have that be something that's a year and a half out? Why don't you just get married right away, move in together as husband and wife or husband and husband and wife and wife in this day and age, and then have the reception a year later when you've got time to plan and save up for it and do it properly. Because in, in, in my way I look at it, you know, it, when, when I got engaged, I got married basically, right? At that point, I was saying, I'm committing to doing this. Let's get it planned and make it happen. I just don't think it needed to be a year later. I agree wow, with that's you. Dead air. Wow, that's dead that, air. That, that was dead, dead air. air right there. That was a lot of dead air. Was so that, either that, was like the, that was either the best thing I've ever said, or I so stupefied you with my incompetence that you sat there going, what in the hell am I doing? I should be watching The Office right now is what you were thinking at that yeah, point. Yeah, and watch Pam and Daryl get engaged. Um, <laughs> uh, the reason for the dead air is I, I want to take some time to, to think about it, choose my words carefully, and, and I, I won't. Um, I don't disagree with you. I think that if you're going to get engaged with someone, you should be intent on marrying that person and not say hey, let's get engaged and we'll get married someday. You get engaged with the intent of actually doing it and you set a date, you get it done. Um, that brings me to another point, all these 2020 weddings that are being postponed because of the pandemic. You don't need the big ceremony to get married. You don't need all your friends there and your second and third cousins and your, your mom's friend's sister from down the street. They don't have to be there. You can go stand in front of a justice in the peace you can talk to, to Mark Edelwein and, and Mark Edelwein could probably marry you. Just get it done. There's no reason to postpone it. If you love the person and you intend on spending the rest of your life with them, just get married. And like you said, do the big reception later. You don't have to do it right now. So I don't understand all the postponements of these weddings other than there are the people who say, well, I'll lose all my money for the cake if I don't, don't go through with it now. Okay, fair argument. But you can still get it done, have the reception later. You know, there are, I, I, I really want to, you know, kind of focus on separating the party and, uh, and the pageantry from the event. The event is the wedding. The event is the marriage portion, which again, is that 10 minutes that we seem to gloss over. You know, if, if, if we actually said, so I've had this theory, you know, we're close to the same age. I've had this theory that our, kids generation. I wished it was mine. We didn't do it. But our kids generation need to solve a couple of things. They need to fix weddings and they need to fix college, right? These are two things that we're on the way on college, quite frankly. And we, someday we're going to talk about college, but people are starting to wise up and say, you know what, maybe not everybody needs to have a $120,000 education. Uh, and maybe an education doesn't need to be $120,000. 
You know, we're right. starting to get, we're starting to get on that path now. And by the way, I think employers are starting to realize that maybe I don't need to just exclude everybody who doesn't have a four-year degree, or maybe I, it's okay to have somebody who's an executive that went to a state school as opposed to a private school. I mean, that kind of BS is starting to find its way out of our, you know, our national consciousness, which is great. And I think our next generation after ours will just further that. But Weddings have gotten worse and weddings have gotten more expensive. Uh, they've gotten uh, further away from their core purpose in my view. And I think if you, if you took my approach and you said, let's get engaged and then let's get married with a small ceremony. Again, you know, each, each of your families, your closest of closest friends, you know, 25 to 30 people, uh, not a very expensive endeavor, maybe a couple of thousand dollars by the time you're done, uh, you know, maybe with a dinner and some nice clothes, you know, maybe a little more than that if it has to be. I don't have any concept of what some of that thing, some of those things might cost, but certainly not seventy thousand uh, dollars. But do that first, and then have an event that's really focused on that moment, right? Now that event is really focused on that moment. So instead of that ten minutes being lost in the rest of the day, it's focused on that moment. And now you can get on with being married right away. You don't have to wait a year. You don't have to move in together and, and be worried that the other person has an out, which I think is a terrible way to actually start a life together. Uh, you can actually be together. But then you can have that party a year from now. And at that point, uh, you know, we can start to talk about how that party gets structured now that's differently, that's different than, you know, sort of that being a part of the wedding day. But I just think the message that that would send uh, you know, if in the next generation that says, not only are we going to move in together, not only are we going to plan a wedding, but we're going to get married. And then we're going to plan a reception where everybody can celebrate it properly after the fact. Could be because you didn't have that big expense up front. It could be at your housewarming party where you have the reception because you saved enough money to put a down payment on a house. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm, I, I said, so let's talk about structuring that party a little bit. Um, and with that, the gift. So I'm still a proponent of the idea that the gift registry makes, makes a lot of sense. But I also think that there should be a fair and perfectly acceptable pathway for uh, wedding attendant or wedding attendees to just give cash. Because, you know, end of the day, there are lots of things on that registry that they may need. They may need a cookie sheet, like I said before, a new toaster. They, they may have nothing, right? I mean, it's, I had nothing when we got married. I had the stuff that my grandparents gave me or that I had been using as a bachelor. And it was, it was, no, it was nothing, right? It was crap. Um, so we needed things. Um, and we were very young when we got married. So we needed those things. And that's true of a, a lot of people. Um, but there, there was a, also a very good argument that said, you know, that toaster is going to break in a year, just like Pam's did. And that, you know, some of this stuff, I had a lot of wedding gifts that never came out of their boxes, right? I mean, I saw, I watched old school the other day, right? And, you know, uh, Will Ferrell keeps trying to give away that bread maker, right? <laughs> that he got for right. his wedding. It's the same thing. Uh, you know, that would have been just as well, you know, instead of a $45 bread maker, $45 in cash, might have filled their gas tank one week, right? It may have bought groceries for the house. It may have gone into the house. It may have literally gone into a down payment. And there's a stigma, I think, in giving cash that isn't fair. And again, that's something I think for the next generation to solve, which is it's perfectly okay 
for somebody to walk into the wedding with a curled up $20 bill, slide it into a box as they enter the dance floor and have that be just as precious as going to the gift registry, you know, finding something on a list and buying it because that's a little impersonal. It's a lot more personal to pick out cash from your wallet sometimes and put it in a box and know that's going to go to make their life better. Right. I mean, maybe I'm off base there. I don't know. It just seems to me like cash isn't, isn't bad, especially if these kids are paying student loans, not making a lot of money, trying to afford rent, trying to fix old cars that they're trying to get by with. Uh, when you're young, you just, you need help. You need cash more than you need crystal. Yeah. Well, cash goes a long way. And, uh, you know, if you have crystal, you're going to end up borrowing from your parents. If you have cash, you can take care of yourself. Um, I have a relative who got married, uh, last year. Um, not one of my children. This was a different relative. Uh, he and his now spouse live in the mountains of Montana. Um, and there it's very difficult to get water. Uh, wells, you, you don't always get water on your first attempt at drilling a well. It may take right. two or three. Um, and they have to be deep. You're in the mountains. Um, they asked for cash. They said, look, we need a well for our house. It's going to be expensive. So in lieu of gifts, please give us cash. And everybody was happy to oblige. It was just so simple. It's like, this is what I can afford to give. Please go get yourself a well. I know you need it. Um, so much more satisfying than saying, here's a crystal dish that I have absolutely no connection to, but I have connection to your welfare. So cash is awesome. Yeah. I, and, and I think, you know, my, I know some, some people, mostly females who would find cash, not romantic, maybe not on the receiving end, but certainly not on the giving end, they would want to go out and buy something. But I just, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I support the gift registry, as I said before, but I don't find it romantic to print out a piece of paper at target and go through and check stuff off, right. Or get to the lowest common denominator, what happens to be left and buying them a set of pillowcases. Um, I don't find that to be romantic. Uh, but the idea that I might be able to, you know, go to their house someday and, uh, you know, go to their house someday that my donation helped them actually buy, uh, I, I think that's incredibly romantic. I think that's incredibly inspiring, quite frankly. You know, it, it's almost like, you know, in the old days, we used to talk about, you know, barn raisings and the Amish, right? Where, every, you know, the, the new couple would, would uh, have everybody from the, from the village or from the, from the family come over and help them raise a barn because they were a brand new couple and this was their first thing they would have on the farm. Well, we don't do barn raisings anymore, uh, but we certainly can actually bankroll that couple and actually start them off. And I think as parents, we can start them off first and foremost by saying, hey, let's focus on the actual wedding part and then let's focus on the party part second. And then let's use that party as a way of, of all of your family and all of your friends uh, welcoming you into the into adulthood, if you will, as a couple, giving you good advice on how to get married, how to stay married, how to stay happy. But then let's let's also help you actually try to buy groceries, buy a house. <laughs> and everybody knows nobody fights more than those who fight against fight about money, right? So just not fighting about that seems like a good plan to me. Absolutely, um, yeah. Help help these kids get a start for sure. Um, I think that's the best way to go. Now, all that said, I do want to back up to the registry real quick. What you usually see in a registry is the soap dish, the pillowcases, the towels, the shower mm -hmm. curtain. Mm -hmm. There is very rarely something for the man. And I, I'm not trying to be gender specific, but when I looked at the registry for my son and daughter-in-law, it was very 
let's nest in this house that we have. The one thing that stuck out to me on that list was cordless power tools. And that's what I bought. It was a huge set of cordless power tools. And, and what happened with that is you know, there, was, there was the gift opening after the wedding. So everybody's sitting at their house and tearing into gifts and yada, yada, yada. And it's, oh, there's a nice crystal bowl. There's a nice soap dish, blah, blah, blah. My, my son's eyes, I can picture this, are, are glossing over. He's, he just wants to go take a nap or play video games at this point. He is mm -hmm. out, of his, out of his skull. Mm -hmm. And then they open up this big box that's all cordless power tools. Finally, he's engaged and excited, and this day doesn't suck for him. <laughs> you know, it's funny. As you were describing that, I actually had a thought. And my thought was, you know, let's say you, you, you're right. So uh, I remember my, my gift opening as well. And, you know, there, there was just a lot of stuff that I don't know why we got. And a lot of stuff, quite frankly, that I think we had in boxes for years afterwards. We had an espresso maker. I don't drink espresso. My wife doesn't drink espresso. We had, we had uh, uh, you know, these incredible serving dishes and things for, I guess, when we were going to host the Queen of England, if she came to our house. Uh, you know, there was just, there was, yeah, there was, there was certainly not a lot for, for my tastes. Um, but I also don't think in reality, there was a lot for my wife's taste either. I think end of the day, the fact that that stuff didn't get used, the gift, it was the thought that counted. Um, but it, it also, it, it, it didn't set us up for life. It set us up for somebody's idea of what life should be. And, uh, you know, it, it lacked a lot of practicality. I had a passing thought about, let's say you get $8,500 for, for in gifts and cash at one of these futuristic wedding receptions we're talking about. Can you imagine if, if um, you drove by the apartment building where you know those people were in and there was a, you know, like a brand new uh, Jeep Wrangler sitting out front or a, or a, <laughs> a large boat sitting out front that you know that rather than actually spend it on a house, they blew it on something ridiculous like that, right? Or, or, or something. I, I suppose that could cause consternation in a family if that happened too. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I think that would be something that I could see somebody getting all gossipy about if somebody, uh, you know, chose not to use the money as they saw it fit uh, or, or maybe as they saw it wisely. Hey, oh, as for we, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. As we roll out of our, our second segment here, I, uh, there's one last comment that we really didn't talk about in the first segment. Um, and I think it's worth bringing up just because it's illustrative of what we're talking about. Uh, I wondered what you were supposed to spend on an engagement ring these days. Uh, because I, I, I will tell you right now, I did not spend what I was supposed to spend uh, back in the day. Uh, because my wife would have, my now wife would have killed me if I would have spent that much money on an engagement ring. And she, you know, she, she helped me make sure that it was what we needed to do, but wasn't ridiculous. Uh, but I was looking at um, jewelrywise.com, which arguably has, you know, they're, they're, they're sort of have a um, um, conflict of interest here and in telling me what to buy. But I, I'm looking at how they want you to calculate what you're supposed to just spend on a wedding ring. And, or an engagement ring. And I guess what bothers me, and I'll go back again to me saying that the focus of, of the wedding day is that 10 minutes or should be that you actually get married. 
And the focus of an engagement ring is supposed to be on you showing how much you love that other person, right? Or how much you want your love to be shown, I guess, in this ring that you give this person. But yet these four steps include basically the same steps that I would go through if I was applying for a loan. It's collect all your income, your take-home pay, interest on investments, uh, any money that you receive on a, on a regular basis from other sources, record all your assets individually. And here's a spreadsheet, by the way, that they give you that you can type this all into. And then it's, then it's record all your expenses, your mortgage, your utilities, your internet, uh, all, all kinds of expenses that you have and then estimate some additional expenses like your, your car repairs, et cetera, and then compare those expenses to your income. And then let's go ahead and list the value of your savings accounts and all the cash that you have and your plans for long-term growth. This is crazy. Um, now, I guess, how do you put a price on your, your, uh, your love and your devotion to the person you're going to marry? But why do you have to? Uh, why can't you just buy a ring that you think looks good that's her taste? And I, I, you know, at, at some point, this either turns into something you're trying to show off or what are you trying to live up to if you're following this sort of financial rubric to buy that ring? Well, and I think that we have a, a problem with our society in general. Uh, you know, debt, debt, debt. Uh, that's that's where where our country goes automatically. Oh, I'll just get a loan for it. So you you start your adult life. You get out of college. You already have student loans. If your parents didn't pay for your wedding, then you're paying for the wedding, and more than likely you put that on credit cards and and whatever other uh, loans you could find. And then you're getting this engagement ring that's also going to be a loan because you haven't saved two months of salary because you've been paying on your student loans and uh, for the caterer for your wedding. So now you have three huge debts right out of the gate, engagement ring, college, the wedding. Um, So we, we set our children up to fail financially right out of the gate. So my opinion, find something that both you and your future spouse are comfortable in spending. It doesn't necessarily have to be a, how much do I love you gift, but do you like this gift? And maybe later when you're more financially set, buy a bigger set, uh, uh, a different ring. Um, you know, the, the one will always have emotional value, but maybe you later on, you get the one that you can show off. You don't have to do that right away. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I just, I said it before, I want the generation after us to fix college and to fix weddings. And you said it better than I could. We've set these kids up to fail. And I was just looking, student loan debt in 2020 is $1.6 trillion. And when you look at how much housing has gone up, what rent has gone up, vehicles and what vehicles cost today for an entry level or a used vehicle, everything that's become more expensive. And then we have, we throw in a $20,000 engagement ring obligation and a $50,000 wedding obligation. It's crazy. And it's just not something that we should do to our kids. It's not something we should do ourselves uh, to start life because we are setting them up for failure. We uh, went a little long that segment. I think we got a little wound up there. I'm not sure. Uh, and that's okay. That's going to happen sometimes. Hey, the water's going to fill that space. Like I said, we're pouring it out and it's going to fill the space available and we're going to let it go wherever it's going to go. And you know what? If it sucks when we get to the end of it, well, it is what it is. But you know, we're going to let it go that way. All right. We'll be back. Segment number three coming up in just a couple of minutes.
All right. Segment number three. We've been talking about weddings. Uh, I think you and I are pretty much in firm agreement that there is uh, a lot of room for improvement on uh, how we manage weddings, wedding parties, wedding people, and certainly, is it fair? Uh, I was thinking about this when we were break that broke there. Is it fair that we focused almost a hundred percent on the cost of weddings? That's as I look back and. Uh, you know, I think about the conversation we've had so far. We've maybe been wrapped up a little bit too much in cost. So I, I want to go back and I want to just reemphasize one thing. I think the cost is ridiculous. I really do. And that, that has to be a focus. When we're spending this much money, it has to be a focus. But I'll go back to the fact that I also think that the cost masks a misalignment of priority in the sense that we spend a whole bunch of money and a whole bunch of time on stuff that has nothing to do with the actual vows. And so that's where I can go back and I, and I realign however we, we find a way to actually focus on the vows, whether it is separating it out into an entirely different day and a different time frame, or it's just changing our focus. Uh, I, I think that's a no brainer, but you know, the cost has to be a main focus of what we're talking about, right? It just has to be just because of how expensive it is. And it, and it really is the first pointer to the opul opulence and the ridiculousness uh, of what we do with weddings today. Well, and the average cost of a wedding today is what, 30,000, um, give or take. Um, it, I mean, that's a new car. A new car you're gonna have for seven years, a wedding you're gonna have for three hours, including the reception. So it's a, it's a problem with our priorities and, and, and where we put our money. I'll, I'll give you an example. In India, a wedding lasts, I think it's two or three days. It's a ridiculous amount of time. There's all sorts of events that happen, but it, it is, it's days, not hours. But they do this for just a couple of thousand dollars and they do it because families bring food and uh, the, you know, on the other side of the family decorates and they don't have a big hall. They use mom and dad's house where they have generations living in it. So it's a, a huge house. Um, and, and of course, these are the well-to-do people in India, not necessarily those that are, that are living on, uh, you know, on the slums. But um, the, the point being, the, the community, the guests come together to put this wedding on, where in the U.S., it's a three-hour event, and we're just paying people. Here's money, here's money, here's money. Put this on for me. Um, and it, it's, it creates a financial burden for whoever may be paying for it. And frankly, it's just, it's three hours of fun. That's it. And the event's over and you remember very little of it. Take that money, put it somewhere else. Glad you referenced back to India because I actually was thinking that earlier when I talked about how short the actual vow ceremony is, but maybe not so much in other cultures. That's exactly what I was thinking of because I do have known, just based on what I do professionally, I've known a number of Indian people who've, who've gotten married in their, in their home country or been married in this country with their home culture as the, as the, you know, as the ceremonial you know, construct. And that really is an example. Now, that's not, by the way, that's not always true. There are cases in which they are, you know, they, I hate to say they, but, you know, other cultures are just as susceptible to, you know, overblowing these things as, as maybe we blame ourselves for being. Um, but they also spend the day, sometimes multiple days, uh, doing the wedding ceremony. But it is a series of ceremonial things. Like I know even down to, um, you know, using specific types of foods and whatnot and certain types of orders that are very prescriptive and very rule-based and very much all about this ceremony. And you can agree with that or disagree with that, 
but that has nothing to do with show. That has nothing to do with trying to impress your neighbors. That's all about a focus on this big event that's taking place. And I think that's what's been lost in so much of the tomfoolery and ballyhoo. What is a ballyhoo? I don't even know where that came from. That, there's so much of that that's been lost, and I guess, in, in, in what we do. So I didn't want to focus so much on money, um, but God, it's hard to avoid it. It's just really hard to avoid it when that's such a, such a big topic. And speaking of which, did you know that in, in now, I don't know if this happened with your daughter, um, I found out that brides don't just have a wedding dress. They have a reception dress that goes with the wedding dress. And they know I'm having a different dress for the, for the dance later. There will be multiple dresses for the day now. Oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm glad that my daughter didn't do that. Now, what was cool about my daughter's wedding is one of her bridesmaids made shoes for everyone. So she bought, I don't know, they were probably Adidas tennis shoes. I don't know what brand they were. But she put um, fancy bows on them. Uh, um, and decorated them for the wedding but it got my daughter out of those high heels that she was wearing for the ceremony so she could dance and have fun in these very comfortable decorated shoes so that was awesome applause to that good idea and she do an orthopedic insert um because that's what i would need for my shoes uh, yeah. so if she'll do it at a discount i'll happy pay her in cash you could probably slip some dr shoals in there and, and be in good shape Hey, you know, I, I uh, as we're want to do towards this last segment, we tend to kind of hit, hit on some facts that are ancillary to our topic. And I found, um, I wanted to look up some of those good luck, bad luck traditions for weddings. You know, you're not supposed to see the bride on the wedding day. Uh, you, know, there, you know, there's a few other things that are out there. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling, but I don't need to struggle because I got a whole list here. I thought I'd hit on a couple of these. And there's some that I've heard of <clears throat> here in this list. This is from thenot.com, the K-N-O-T dot com uh so there's a few of these i've heard of you tell me when you've uh, heard of these you said k-n-o-t so it's yes. not the i'm not gonna do that that's dumb it's the k-n-o-t not right. yeah it's a homonym it's a homonym so that's why i actually spelled it exactly right it's the not like, like tying said not a euphemism for for getting hitched for getting married so hey brides it says number one so this is tuck a sugar cube into your glove a sugar cube Okay, so this, and I'm, by the way, I'm assuming this is like the dainty sugar cube you'd get at a fancy restaurant to put in your coffee, not something that uh, uh, that cow that you're buying rather than getting the milk for free would be licking. Uh, <laughs> a much smaller uh, unit of measure, uh, but you're supposed to put that in your glove. And um, according to the Greeks, that's supposed to sweeten your union. I, I, um, I think that would just make you itchy, um, frankly, but that's, that's, that's number one. Um, the English apparently believe that if you find a spider in your wedding dress, that's good luck. Um, that to me sounds like someone selling a wedding dress who had a really good sales skills. I, I right? agree. I agree. Yeah. What, I yeah. don't understand what would be lucky about that. No. And I think, I think if you find moths, uh, that's also good luck, uh, at the wedding store. And if you find bed bugs that the hotel keep would tell you that's good luck. <laughs> if you get a flat tire, the rental company will tell you that's good luck. Uh, yeah, that's, that's salesmanship right there. Mm. Uh, also the English tell us that Wednesday is actually the best day to get married. Um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, isn't Wednesday hump day? Um, Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, 
But anyway, let's move on away from that because um, <laughs> I'm sure that's not what they meant. But Wednesday apparently is the best day to marry, although Monday is for wealth and Tuesday is for health. So I'm not exactly sure why Wednesday, hump day, would be considered the best day to marry if Monday is for being rich and for Tuesday it's for being healthy. Wednesday just must be, well, I guess happy. Maybe that's Where? what it's for. Wednesday banquet hall is cheap. Ah, that's, that's why that's the best day to get married. Still happy hour in bar. Yes, Confucius yep. say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, number four, the groom carries the bride across the threshold to bravely protect her from evil spirits lurking below. Once again, this is this is this is something at the hotel. Uh, this is a sales technique at the hotel, right? Uh, you know, there are, there are evil spirits, but go ahead and just carry her across the threshold and you'll be fine. Trust me. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah. The evil spirit of the ice machine that we've put you next to uh, in this really expensive bridal suite. Uh, Saturday is considered to be the unluckiest wedding day, according to the English. Again, boy, these English, they got a lot of, they got a lot of baggage. Um, is that why we have a 50% divorce rate? Because just about every wedding I've ever been to has been on a Saturday. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, me too. And it would be, to be honest, it would be odd if somebody got married on a Friday night or on a Sunday after Sunday, especially it would be very strange. I think Sunday is hangover day for weddings these days, right? That's post wedding hangover is for Sunday. So Saturday is kind of the day. Uh, but according to the English, it's it's not lucky. So yeah, maybe that is why you have 50. Maybe that's why we have, you know, 5% of people being struck by lightning on their wedding day. No, I don't know that. Let's, let's assume that's <laughs> Uh, the ancient Romans. Let's go with it. Yeah, let's go with that. Let's roll with that as a fact. Ancient Romans studied pig entrails to determine the luckiest time to marry. Now, how about that conversation? Uh, you, you come home, uh, you know, to uh, to Caesar Augustus and uh, you know, Doreen, um, you know, whatever. I'm not sure who Caesar's wife was, and uh, you say, uh, "Mom and Dad, uh, uh, me and uh, me and uh, uh, Larry." Uh, here are going to get married. Uh, and so we're wondering what, when what time should we marry? And uh, they say, well, let's go butcher the pig and look at his intestines. And uh, that will tell us the luckiest time for you to get married. Uh, what, what do you read? Do you arrange them? Uh, I, I don't know. They don't go into detail here on what you do with the pig entrails, but uh, maybe I don't want to know. Is it, is it the, the way they, they come out and the direction they flow? Like, do you, do you line that up with the, uh, what do you call that clock that the Romans had, the uh, um, sundial? You know, it's like, oh, yeah, the intestines, they went over there by the sundial that was pointing at 2 o'clock. So, yeah, let's do um, Thursday. Um, I'm really not thinking that's the right accent for the Romans. Um, that's not a Roman accent. <laughs> that is, that's about as far from a Roman accent <laughs> as one could get, unless they are, you know, the the you know, Clark and Doreen Roman up in Fargo. <laughs> I don't think that's what they meant by the Romans. Yeah. Uh, let's let's move on from number six before you uh, get into an Ole and Lena joke for me. Number uh -huh. seven, rain on your wedding day is actually considered good luck. Now that one I've heard before. Uh, that's a Hindu tradition, though. But I've certainly heard that a, a rain on your wedding day is is good luck. I've also heard uh, for good luck, Egyptian women pinch the bride on her wedding day. Um, I don't think that's just Egyptian women. I've heard that before that if you pinch the bride you 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 uh that's that's a sign of uh bestowing good luck upon the bride um middle eastern brides paint henna my daughter used to paint henna tattoos um on people it was one of her jobs she had in high school uh, uh middle eastern brides paint henna on their hands and feet to protect them themselves from the evil eye uh okay is, is that um, from the mother-in-law I, I'm not sure. But again, these things, you know, 
this, this really should tell you that a lot of our society just lives in fear of evil spirits in the hotel room, of spiders in your wedding dress, which is probably a legitimate fear. And then, yeah, it's whatever this evil eye is, I'm, I'm very nervous about the evil eye now that I've heard about it. Uh, number 10, peas are thrown at Czech newlyweds instead of rice. I really hope they're not frozen peas. Um, I hope that these are cooked, maybe perhaps even overcooked, so they're a little mushy, so they don't hurt. Uh, but yeah, you throw peas at um, Czech newlyweds instead of rice. I wonder why they don't say. Uh, Swedish bride puts a silver coin from her father and a gold coin from her mother in each shoe. Uh, to in now, see, I'm I'm Swedish, so I, as I finish this off, I need to think about whether this speaks to me at a at a native level. So a, a sweet again, a Swedish bride puts a silver coin from her father and a gold coin from her mother in each shoe. See, this is poorly written. So does that mean you put two coins in each shoe or a gold in one and a silver in the other? It's, it's poorly written. But anyway, you, you put it in each shoe to ensure that she'll never do without. Um, interesting. So I guess that's a way for them to say, hey, here's some, here's some break class money. It'll always be in your shoe. Just, you know, don't change shoes or something. Um, no, don't, tell the, don't tell that idiot you're marrying that you got money in your shoes. Uh, in Finland, a Finnish bride uh, traditionally went door to door collecting gifts in a pillowcase. So it's like trick or treat, accompanied <laughs> by an older married man who represented long marriage. That is creepy. That's, yeah, that's a little strange. Let, let me reread that. A Finnish bride traditionally went door to door collecting gifts in a pillowcase, accompanied by an older married man who present, represented long marriage. This sounds a lot like a pimp and a prostitute. I'm just saying, and, and no strange, uh, like, like uh, trick or treat, uh, you know, mix up, mix in, whatever. Uh, I don't get that one at all. I'm getting married. Could I have your wall clock, please? Wow. Wow. That was not far going, um, but uh, you're still, getting better. Still not finished. <laughs> still not, still not finished. Um, uh, Moroccan women uh, take a milk bath to purify themselves before the wedding ceremony. That probably is not that odd anymore. I would bet that, uh, you know, if you went to a pretty expensive spa, uh, you could get you could get yourself a milk bath. You could probably get it in uh, soy milk or almond milk, even if you if you needed to. I don't think that's that odd anymore. And then finally, uh, well, finally, there's there's 50 of these things, but I think I got to pinch it off here at some point. Uh, finally, here uh, in Holland, with the wooden shoes and all that, uh, a pine tree is planted outside the newlyweds' home as a symbol of fertility and luck. And that, you know what, I kind of like that one a lot. Um, you know, I, number one, I like trees. Um, but there's something to be said for, uh, you know, being able to look out at that tree every day, see it grow and, and sort of have a reference uh, back to, you know, whether, you know, whether it's the day you got married, whether it's the, you know, the, the day you had a child or there was some big event. I kind of like that one. Uh, that's something we should do more often, just plant a tree uh, in those monumental events, right? I agree. Absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense. Hey, you know what else makes a lot of sense? What makes a lot of sense? I think it makes a lot of sense for us to decide we've reached the end of another episode. I think this was a good one. We got very passionate about this. This is obviously something that you and I feel strongly about, or at least don't want to pay for. Um, well, it, I, it impacts my wallet. If it impacts my wallet, I'm going to get upset about it. Yeah, and yeah, that bothers me because it's not just about the money, but boy, I tell you what, it's hard not to see it as just about the money because there's just a whole lot of money being spent on these things, right? Um, 
it's it, and it's hard not to focus on that. But end of the day, I think there is uh, something to be said for separating the money from the ceremony. And if you can't, then that tells you we got to start over and, and, and change the way we look at these things. All right. Uh, make a better podcast. This was our, uh, I don't know what episode number we're up to, but we got another one done. Another one in the books. Woo-hoo. Thanks again to Mark Elwine. Great music here to send us out. And we will see you next week. Hang in there.